Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've got grade school questions and a million dollars to give away. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Let's go. Get ready. One of the most popular game shows of all time is coming to Audio Up as a podcast. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Selwyn. You may remember me as a host from ESPN, Attack of the Show, or even Immortalized, that competitive taxidermy show on AMC. We lasted one episode. Anyway, three times a week, I'm bringing you the realest fake news of the day. It's the Saturday Night Live News Desk, but in an audible format. Listen to the Audio Up News Network on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. do y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts Live from the Dream Hotel in Hollywood, California, this is Lips LA. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. It's Scott Lips and you are listening to Lip Service. Coming up on the show today, David Lee Roth. You definitely know him as the lead singer of Van Halen. David Lee Roth was the singer of Van Halen 1974 to 1985, and then he rejoined the band 2006 to the present. Super excited to have him here. Definitely a, a childhood rock and roll idol. Um, he definitely went on to release some solo albums, at, uh, a lot of golden platinum albums actually, and was nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007. So um, I met him when I was uh, just a young kid, which we'll talk about in a moment. And uh, this is definitely a very cool moment having him in the show. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, so I'm excited to have him here. The show is also available on iTunes, Spotify, and all your other podcast resources. Please download it, rate it, review it. It's very helpful to us. And just in a moment, David Lee Roth from Van Halen coming up. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. For $1,000 a ticket. $1,000 a ticket, I would probably still go see the Stones. I would absolutely go see the Stones. And not just because they're on a short fuse, okay? No, really, Mick, <laughs> Mick, Mick could not outrun the French fry. And if we're going to be of any social value here, I will share with you. Don't fool yourself because he stayed thin and skinny. What's he got? One-third percent body fat. That's true. He's all legs and lungs. You know, he when, looks great. He sings great. Still. Well, Mick's abdomen is so strong that's like a forge. That's like a steam shovel or something. When Mick finally passes away, they're going to take three roadies and have to beat his abdomen to death in order to get it into the box <laughs> with it. Really, and the best dressed drummer in rock and roll, Charlie Watts. I but have to say. Don't so. be fooled though, because you can't outrun the French fry. 
I always thought, hey, man, just because my belt size ain't changed much since music school, that I was out running the French fry <laughs> right. or whatever your favorite thing. Of course. You look like an iceberg lettuce, kind of Bob's blue cheese uh, dressing <laughs> kind of guy. I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Think of the answer here. What does a great rock band start with? What instrument, which person? Well, the drums, because I'm a drummer. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Most people get that wrong. They start with the guitar. But I am a drummer. Or they, so. or they say, well, in the world of Freddie, you know, if you go to the movies today, it's all about Freddie and Elton, <laughs> and that's the drum major. Of course. And if I do come back, if I'm reincarnated, I want to be a drum major at the Jackson State Sonic Boom of the South Marching Band. That's Amazing. the official name. Very hard to do, by the way. The well, I got close stuff. by being in Van Halen. <laughs> that's my job description <laughs> for a pale face, you know, second place, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, thanks for coming on the show, by the way. I really appreciate it. You look great. You look very vibrant today, Dave. Tireless so. self-promotion is the American way, Scott. <laughs> I appreciate you know, yeah. it. Well, I want to talk about so much has been said, and you've obviously spoken about so much over the years, but the future and where we're at today, you have a, an amazing love for electronic dance music. Uh, and I know they just did a remake of Jump, which is great. We want to talk about that and how that came about and, and how your love for EDM came about. Because I know you just went to the festival in Vegas. It, e came, EDC. It, it came back. It came from having practicing this specifically starting at the age of about 11 after turning off the Ed Sullivan show, turning to my parents who looked like they were from Dennis the Menace. Get that picture in your head with the haircut and the gland. My mom, you know, because your mom was an art teacher, right? And, yep, and, and uh, I, f I turned to them long before the Beatles and went, <laughs> I had no idea what I meant. But if you had asked me and they had said, how long are you going to do that? I would have said, all night long. <laughs> Careful what you show your kids. It was James Brown. Right. And, you know, Papa's got a brand new back. We started that, my sister and I, when we were 10 years old. Wow. Okay. Boom, Ed Sullivan show. Then the Beatles and everybody came, but we were in the integrated busing program. Okay. My pop didn't start college till out of the Air Force. Okay. So I was 13 until there were two cars, before there were two cars parked in front of the house. And he traveled and we came to the United States. All right. Where we went to uh, uh, a town where the first day they drove us past the John Birch Society which was a uh, real super right-wing, what you would call Confederate flag, whatever, and pointed and said, because uh, we, we were living in a part of town where all of our friends were black, Spanish-speaking. Yo hablo suficiente español para hablar contigo solamente en lengua. Still, I own two lowriders. And um, all of our friends were Japanese and Chinese. All of his patients were. And being a smart ass, once, I, I think I was like a 10 years old, I said, how come? And he said, get in the car. We drove down to Mission Boulevard, South Pasadena, past the John Birch Society, which was, uh, uh, I said, what is this? He said, well, they don't like black people. He, I said, uh, how come? He said, pay attention. They don't like Spanish-speaking people either. And my mom was a Spanish teacher. And my grandma, all the way back in the 40s, thought, you know what? This Spanish thing, this could take a hold. Y'all best is learn. Now, I'm paraphrasing. Right, of course. The Indiana. <laughs> and she learned it to where she could teach it, and then she forced me to learn it. Okay, there's not a lot of question in my family. And you speak how many languages? <clears throat> I can get us in trouble and completely out in Spanish and Portuguese. I can get us 
completely in trouble, but only halfway out in Japanese. <laughs> Still, it's kind of a funny story, but you know. It's got to be the hardest language to speak, Japanese, no? Well, that's because you don't practice that's it. That's true. And that's you true. didn't fall in love with a Japanese girl. Right. Whoa, talk about an inducement. <laughs> <laughs> You lived there for quite some time, didn't you not? I, well, I live where the dog is, and yeah. I took my dog, Russ, to the Oakwood Gardens apartment, Hyatt Bozon, in midtown Tokyo, and I didn't know anybody. Sure. I didn't know anybody, not a word of Japanese, nothing, okay? And, uh, but I knew that everything was going to be an adventure. Having traveled, have you heard the Johnny, uh, Johnny Cash song, I've been everywhere, man? And he starts to go, Opalosa, Opalaka, Tuscaloosa. And you got to memorize every single name. And I sat there with just one elbow going, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> For the entire song. So you're kind of prepared for camping. You know, the first time it rains in the Boy Scouts, you get somebody like my old ex-gunnery sergeant, uh, troop master who never turned around. You talk to the back of his head, and you go, I'm getting wet. He go, you'll dry out. <laughs> <laughs> you go, I'm freezing. He go, no such thing as bad weather, son, just bad gear and bad choices. <laughs> so, so. I don't think I ever saw his face in three and a half years in the voice. Yeah. So I you, sure learned. You, you and I learned enough to get me to Tokyo and experience it as an adventure. Because when you go someplace like Tokyo, even just finding dental floss, that's an adventure. You got to mime the whole thing. Oh, you bro, not? wait until you get stomach problems. You got to mind that. Right. <laughs> So how long were you living there, Dave? Wait until you ate some bad sushi and you waited too long to complain. Wait until you mime that. I hope that never happens to me. Uh, oh, but, I, but we had a ball because look this up. You guys out there, dial this. That's the sound of I'm checking, okay, is Konishiki. Konishiki, it's phonetic. Konishiki, the great. Uh, sumo, one of the arguably the greatest sumo fighter, Rikishi of all time, is actually from Hawaii, and he was in the uh, downstairs. There's English spoken in my building, okay? And I come down, and he's his fighting weight was 600 pounds. Cut to the crash. He says, hey, bro. Do you, I'm sorry, do you want me to do the accent? <laughs> yeah, please. Hey, bro, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I said, and I know who you are. You see that couch over there? He took up the whole couch. Had three guys in their 20s in white jumpsuits and everything to run because he takes too much to stand up, sit down. Really? Wow. And uh, his fighting weight was 600 pounds. I got to know him great. I says, what was it like fighting you at 600 pounds? He said, bro, it was like fighting a mattress. He <laughs> <laughs> really didn't have a chance. <laughs> Amazing. Well, martial arts has always been a huge part of your life, has it not? And, and was that sort of part of the inspiration of moving to Japan to study and to study martial arts and, and the culture, you know, the language and whatnot? You've been doing some background. If I you have. Play, I you, always do. I always do. Clearly, if you play some uh, Little League, you think someday maybe the Yankees. Right. If you're doing ballet, you're thinking, ah, EVT, here I come. <laughs> if you're singing, you know, in some Broadway production of whatever in Akron, Ohio, you're thinking, man, Broadway is empty without me. Yeah, no question. No <laughs> empty question. without me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the Madonnas thought and how I always thought, you know. Yeah. 
that kind of thing. So uh, starting in the martial arts, as I said, my father had a very collected kind of uh, Japanese-Chinese community, a lot of clients who were uh, Asian. Consequently, we were invited to everything that was Japanese holiday. First time I had uh, uh, sushi, uh, raw fish, I think I was 12 years old. And it was at the celebration of the Buddhist temple, which was the first time I had teriyaki. First time I held a sharp sword in my hands. I was nine years old. Okay, you stepped outside. Hey, we're gonna get a little kid. Come out front. We're gonna do the demonstration here. Hold this. Only thing missing was the anime, the lightning. <laughs> and behold, be fucking careful what you show your children. <laughs> so, my Japanese gods are profane. <laughs> and you stayed there for what five years, Dave? Oh, uh, geez, on and off right around four and a half. Okay. Okay. I kept the apartment, kept the dog, and the dog there was amazing. If you know me, you know my dog, Mike, sent him to heaven. Now he's looking at us, Russ, cattle dog with a raccoon tail, about a 60-pounder, all right, which in Japan is like, that must be some rock star shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd go for walks five times a day. Russ had a ball. Russ loved all the contact and the people and the crush and everything. He was a therapy dog, not sure. for me, for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, he's <laughs> like a circus dog. Let him run around backstage in the Van Halen's, in and out of all the dressing rooms and under this, because everybody knew him. Russ was a friend to all people, friend to all other animals. He was a cattle dog, Blue Merle cattle dog with a raccoon tail. Wow. Now, when I took him to get groomed in Japan, they were horrified at first. They'd ask me, you know, in Japanese, is that a wolf? I'd go, no, I am. <laughs> and I'm Jewish. You should know that, too. <laughs> we have something in common. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, they got to know him. Yeah. And he was such a sweetheart calming like this. I'd always sign him up for 45 minutes, knowing that the nine gals were always dealing with little squealing pocket rockets, you know, fiery dogs like this. He was just calm. And they would fight over who gets to play with him and stuff. And I'd put him there in the morning, get on my bicycle, come back six hours later, and they tell me, oh, Russell, almost ready. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be playing with him in the back, okay? Amazing. And I found those kinds of pockets of love in and around everywhere that I went there. But it's hyper-modern. Hyper it's actually my favorite city in the whole world. I love, I love Japan culturally. I think it's the most incredible place. When somebody says to me, Tokyo, I, I just come do a little misdirection. It's called Yukichika, little misdirection. And I go, wait, before I answer that, let me ask you this, which is a political move. You see how I did that to you? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're now going to engage. I go, you ever been to New York? You say yes. I go, great. The worst, shittiest, most amazing Bunch of fucking mind-blowingly cool, sexy, inspiring, racist, asshole, fucking cool, cool place on earth. And Japan's the same. Yeah. <laughs> Although you have That's no crime. That's me letting you down easy. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. When you're that cosmopolitan. Yeah. And no that question. modern, along with the history. Yeah. You know, like me. I'm, I'm really classic, but also modern, like watching an episode of Dragnet on your <laughs> iPad. <laughs> Did you get into tattooing in uh, Tokyo? Is that sort of what you, your no, love I, of it? Technically, sire, they dug into me. <laughs> <laughs> 
for about 300 hours worth. You have, a, you have the Japanese Translate tuxedo, that into right? Japanese. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's uh, I got the full the foam. gear that rolls all the way down, but you can see. Yeah. And I keep it uh, um, kind of discreet, okay, austere style. But uh, The process of tattooing in Japan is called tapping, is it not? Uh, tabori, it means hand, hand work. Uh, okay. Anytime you say, here's a couple of fun ideas that you may hear, you hear hori, H-O-R-I. Hori yushi, hori yoshi, hori kuki, you know, and it means engraving. It means tattooing, inscribing, or marking, you know. So when you have hori yoshi, that's tattoo Joe. <laughs> <laughs> really? So Hori Taka, that's tattoo uh, Kenny. <laughs> what do you got about 90 hours Excuse of tattooing? Excuse me, I'm there. Tattoo Kenny the third. <laughs> <laughs> you have many hours of tattoos on there. Is that sort of how you came up with this idea? Because we want to talk about your product too, Ink the Original. Um, is that sort of led us to where we are today? Because now you're running a company, you have this new line that just came out. Is Ink, that Ink the Original Ink the goes original. back to my mom who was an art teacher, okay? And not art teacher in a classic okay kids whatever you draw is fine or whatever now we went to every free every concert every free for students matinee for every broadway show every movie every anything it didn't matter if it was west side story cool hand luke didn't matter if it was damn yankees or some bizarre downtown shit that stands all the way up to now i saw blue man group when there were only a hundred other people in equity waiver Saw him twice there when they actually were blue. And I stood right next to him. Amazing. <laughs> you never quite know who's in that group, too, right? That could go on forever because it's the faceless people. That could be replicated in well, many like, bands, I think, actually. Well, that's Lassie. You know, there were five Lassies. And uh, I understand one of them was a girl. <laughs> a very Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> So now that you're in this sort Don't of look. <laughs> Wait until the show's over. <laughs> fucking fucking <laughs> So is, is the corporate world something you like, David, having this product line? Actually, you know, obviously being a singer for so many years and now having a product line and having this enterprise. Is that something you enjoy? Tell us about the product because obviously... Oh, this is very different than the way most artists approach their uh, product line, okay? First off, rock star joke. Okay. Always ask a lawyer, got any lawyer jokes, got any accountant jokes, any, you know, et cetera. Best rock star joke. How, uh, uh, how many rock stars does it take to put in a light bulb? One, we hold the bulb and wait for the world to revolve around us. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, who's on the guest list? <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's usually the approach. And then... Our fellow artists make sounds because they really have no background in the arts and letters and the graphics or whatever. So they'll pass. They say, okay, I'm doing a product line of uh, clothing. Oh, I like to wear clothes. Therefore, I'm good at clothing. Oh, come, on, <laughs> come on. There's a little bit of craft to this. So all you're reduced to is making sounds if you have no background. You put something in front of you and they go, hmm. <sighs> Okay, I just said no. Okay. <laughs> That's a sound a celebrity makes about their clothing line. Yeah, okay, clothing here line. comes the perfumes. Maybe. Right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as far as it gets. So the sure. first thing I do is surround myself with the most incandescent, lit, inspired, inspirational, compelling 
spirits and imaginations and furious in every department that we have. And we have some 36 people now, right. all of them colleagues. Every now and then I turn and like, Dawn here, Dawn, are you a yes man? Her answer clearly is no, because I could fucking use one. I am surrounded by directors, chieftains, bosses. <laughs> no, really, nine out of ten are women. I think I have six guys out of 36 folks, colleagues, contemporaries that I work with. And, uh, you know, when I hired them, they all worked for me. Six months later, we were finally working together, and that was six months ago, and now I work for them. <laughs> As I would have it. Dames lead the way. Do you think it's harder running a business or running a band? Oh, easily running a band. That's undependable. You're on rock star savings time, which is hours later than you ever fucking thought any human could be. (laughs) (laughs) You start doing things like Wednesday in the Mickey Mouse Club is anything could happen day, Scott. (laughs) Yes, it is. And then when your band starts kicking, Wednesday becomes... The first day of the weekend, Scott. (laughs) And then if your band becomes really, really popular and they're tearing all the paint off the right-hand side, even in the first turn, then Wednesday's the middle of the weekend, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) And all the Dr. Drews and Dr. Phil's on the tube, it'd be like trying to pry a manhole cover up with a tongue depressor, trying to go, you know, you should quit. Silence. Crickets. (laughs) Quit what? <laughs> you really, it's uh, that that kind of undependability uh, makes for great music. Yeah, no Ooh, question. Collision, sparks, you know, conflict, conflict. A whole lot of energy. Shakespeare going on. The Glimmer Twins, right? And, uh, oh, yeah. Shagger yeah, Con- and Richards and Joe Perry. And then you introduce the third, the third fighter in the ring. When you watch two boxers, it's not just two boxers, but the time clock you may get them both you follow and if you have a guitar player and a singer maybe heroin maybe that's the time frame you're on heroin time now can you fucking survive that that's high altitude shit baby (laughs) don't look down right and that's the heroin talking or maybe it's two different wives who were the fellows who wrote all of the Disney movies stuff? You know, the music, the two brothers who wrote everything for the Jungle Book and Mary Poppins and Chim Chimini Cheree and, you know, it's Squaresville, sure. all right? But they got the Oscars how many times? And their wives got involved and started, you know, talking. This is a very familiar thing in many different forms of art and music and drama and theater going, you know what? You're the one the audience is all coming to see. <laughs> Meanwhile, across town, the other guy's wife is going, fuck them. You're the money. <laughs> <laughs> really? And then now you have a third person in there. Right. It's or, a difficult dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Or, you, or you've abandoned your family, as is almost irrevocably necessary to do. You want to yeah. be a brilliant heart surgeon? You want to be an amazing trial attorney, a combat marine, a lifer, a SEAL teamer, any of these, in anything in music, arts, theater, and drama, it's not 10,000 hours. That's something somebody put in a book that you can easily digest. It's 40,000. Everybody that you talk to, that you admire, all your $1,000 ticket guys, I see it in your eyes. Me too. I'll just say it now before he, or, before he orders drinks. <laughs> Yeah, him too. That's worth a thousand. (laughs) Those are all 40,000 hour men. That's true. 
okay? And that kind of commitment, that kind of bring it is, you know, something that we look towards. And this product line came about because you're an outdoorsman, right? You're, you're hiking. It started with every mistake. I am an expert at everything not to do. Right. You love bicycling, kayaking. I can show you how to fall off your bike seven times. (laughs) Me too. In the dirt. But wait, I'm not done because I'm an urban rider. Right. I've been been riding uh, in New York City. I started is, without a helmet dangerous. for many years. Yeah. I, I rode without a helmet. Anyway, that's a joke. That's <laughs> I bought a book on head injuries, but I lost it. Now, I'm telling you what not to do, anybody who's ever taught somebody to cook, mostly it's what not to do. You develop what I call grandma food, okay? You've seen postures of boxers. They sit like this from caging, all like this. Anybody who's been incarcerated, first off, only people who've been incarcerated use the word incarcerated. (laughs) (laughs) And they have a thing from watching, you know, covering their dessert and shit. Yeah. You dig like this. So when they meet, they're like this, okay, because they're in a defensive posture. All right. And grandma spends a lot of time in the kitchen teaching youngins what not to do. And she's used to standing like this. Cameraman, get with it. Here we go. Like this. She's like that going, no, no, honey. <laughs> I go, whoa, 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 don't mix that. <laughs> and she said, okay, now mix it up, mix it up. Whoa, 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 don't put it. In. Perfect. And then she'll back you away from the stove. And she's in a permanent <laughs> position of this kind of a thing. Sure, sure. So, so, so the lion kind of came about because you were outside. You do, and you're obviously your your uh, the tattoo history you have is uh, when did you get your tattoos actually when did you start Oh, I started 1976. Wow. With a little seahorse, fell in love with a French girl 20 summers older than me. That's a whole another interview. <laughs> Show you some tricks with lead ri- li- red licorice. That have and, nothing to do with the Boy Scouts, son. Forty Shades of Dave. And there were no, there were no products uh, like hold this. Hold on, so. I, I can't see her face with the glasses, but I have been a bad boy, and I think I need to be sent to your room. <laughs> She's sticking her tongue out at me. Not unless you intend to use it, youngster. <laughs> Check her ID, Raj. Get it on film. Back to you, it. Scott. There, uh, there were no products currently. <laughs> oh like- no, we decided to get a seahorse in 1976. Getting a tattoo—that was a thing. So I got a little seahorse on my ankle, and that was the beginning. But I didn't build what in uh, lowrider culture is called la cultura is placas badges. You build a mural, like uh, who's got a really good, Bieber, Justin, has a great one going. Okay. He's building, you know, and it, these are souvenirs, memories, girlfriends, dates, places, this kind of a thing. I have no attention deficit uh, at all, never have. If you give me a paperback book like this, I just was sitting with Tony Bourdain. I sat so long without uncrossing my legs that they both went to sleep and I didn't notice and I stood, people think sometimes I'm catatonic. Not that they're wrong in weekends. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, really. I'll sit forever, forever and plan and plan and plan and plan. They know the term window time. Okay? Whole different kind of pot. That's indica. Yeah. Okay? You got to get, get into it, that too. You got to get it done. That's sativa's <laughs> whole different world, yo. And, uh, I planned and planned and planned, and then after my little uh, seahorse like that, I literally moved to Japan and did the whole thing in 300 hours. So it's one single composition. 
So it's not like the Spanish style tattoos where there's dates and places and no, memories. No, so the no, idea behind is, your this is a solid statement, and you can see it on the interweb. Is I got uh, classic up front from uh, the Grandmaster Horish the Third, and those are Kabuki masks. They're theater masks, the original masks, and each one of those characters, Norikami, Narukami, you know, and Konishan, and these different characters, they're like James Bond and. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, you know, and they're great, colorful, noisy stories, okay? And that's from the classic master in his 70s. All the colors have been done up, you know, by hand, whatever. And in the back, I got it done from a fella uh, who was in his 20s, looks like, maybe his early 30s, really has a lot of ink, a lot of story, a little closer to Little Wayne, than <laughs> Japanese familiar Tabari style. And you see it's clearly done by a Japanese hand, okay? But it's a very modern Japanese hand of a uh, dragon. So all classic dignity up front. By virtue, I probably would be if I was in the military. I don't know, be somewhere up there, you know. Major something or other, you know. Hey, no jokes. <laughs> and in the back, it's all, fuck you, kid. Young and skinny forever. You're number one with me, do you see? <laughs> it's implied. Right, right. It doesn't no actually say that in Japanese. Right, right. And were there no products for tattoos at that point? Or like, well, there's all a- kinds of things that happen for tattoos, for skin, whatever. But in terms of complaining, and I take a crybaby, whiny ass, identify the flaw in everything, and that's how you elevate everything from Olympic gymnastics to amazing guitar work to perfect choreography, politics, women's rights, animal rights, civil rights, okay? want to celebrate and have a great time. That's one approach to music. I was not raised that way, and neither were the Van Halen's. I was raised by the back of my scrub. My two mentors in music were Peter and Pearl Zukowski, okay, who played first and second clarinet in the L.A. Philharmonic. They came here, you know, leaving by the Nazi Holocaust, okay? They arrived, and they're sour. When my sisters get what we call bad Dave, it's their voices speaking, <laughs> all right? And you, you will grow up in a formatted, formalized music environment like the Van Halen's did on keyboards um, with constant complaining, constant pointing out the flaw, constant, 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 just like a gymnast. You want an Olga Corbett? Yes, there is such a thing as perfection. You want to see Nadja Comaneci and the Romanian wave kick in? That was perfection. It was perfect. Mm. The last 40 seconds of Jungle Land. Down in Jung here. Perfect. <laughs> that didn't just yeah. happen. He did 10 years in the clubs before yeah. he even made his first record. No question. Okay? That's a 40,000 hour sound that have perfect can be found. But you have to identify the flaw. Identify the flaw. It's not, well, we want to get rid of jump ropes because some of the kids aren't green. We want to keep it balanced. Okay? But when we grew up, the Van Halens and I in an orchestra, if you played woodwinds or reeds, their father played saxophone. I played saxophone, clarinet. They, he did Classically well. trained, we should say, right? Oh, yeah. Well, classic means that once a year, if you're first chair clarinet, I get to challenge you, and I go, hey, I can. I don't want your chair. I want my picture in the program. Right. Okay? Not yours. And I want to play the same two pieces of music that you will, 
And I'll talk to the conductor if he thinks I'm worthy. We're going to stand up in front of 150 very, very critical motherfuckers who are not well paid, and everything is placed on the value of the art. And we're going to play the same thing, okay? And we're going to compete. That doesn't sound like what happens today in terms of let's celebrate music, one world, one love, enjoy. It's a different approach. Folk music is like that. Okay, <clears throat> when we got sexy and sassy and we graduated from Chopin and Schoenberg and, you know, you know like this, then we did big band because that shit was sexy. Our parents said, hey, man, the Black Hawk Ballroom, Aragon, Gene Krupa, <laughs> that shit is sexy. That shit was the opposite of birth control. So we said, okay, well, how do you learn big band? The same fucking way, all right? Well, what do you mean? Isn't that a lot of fun? No, fun's in the audience, Holmes. This is coming right out of my music teacher's mouth. Okay, no, no. Let's go back. Let's go back to Roseland Ballroom, okay? In the 40s, you have an all-white band of Benny Goodman. Jesus Christ, he's even Jewish. Okay? And he wears glasses on stage and a necktie. And then you have Chick Webb, a drummer, who's a little guy. He's four feet tall. That's the fucking drummer and an all-black band in the most racist, hostile, fuck you, segregationist possible. Only white people apply in that time and era. It says right there in the New York Times for the police force. <laughs> All right? Now, we're going to pick six of the same songs. We're going to advertise it as Battle of the Bands, Benny Goodman versus Chick Webb. This was a frequent thing at the Roseland Ballroom. Okay? We're going to play the same six songs. And they would compete with each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that shit would go into after hours. Like, yeah. Okay, let's sit here a while, Scott, and think of which band always won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because Benny Goodman get up and he's all square and go, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. And Chick Webbs goes, shit, sit down, pale face. That's literally the <laughs> shit. That's the kind of sounds like a trumpet. <laughs> like this, and you learn to sing the parts before you pry them down. That's your baritone sax. You follow, you gotta be able to teach the vocalists where to go. So, as a little kid growing up, first thing I learned is all my heroes wore suits to work. Included the Beatles, Motown, Miles Davis, you know. Did you ever watch the, Bird? All the jazz. Um, Bird was a little bit, uh, uh, okay, the argument is always, is it dissonance or is it modal? Modal thinking, the best way you can describe modal thinking is the James Bond thing. Okay, that sounds mysterious. Right. Okay, there's a point where you go too modal and you go, but, and an excuse is musicians we frequently use. It goes, man, it's my environment. My environment doesn't have any wooden sounds, man. I let, shut the fuck up, Daryl. <laughs> no, no, there's no wooden sounds in my environment. It's all mechanical and symbols and shit, which is actually a uh, taxi driver. Sure. Listen, everything sure. in there is brass and symbols because it's, it's harsh and it resembles. But that's always been the argument, is how far can you go in terms of modal thinking, you dig, before you veer off? A great example that I use, and this is one that came from one of my music teachers a million years ago, 
Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Beatles. Right. Na, 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 na. That's Paul McCartney. Sounds happy. One more time. Na, 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 na. But John Lennon, I don't know, maybe he's bar Jewish. You know, like the comic <laughs> lady says, you know, I want to let you know I'm, I'm Jewish, so I'm always a little sad and a little pissed. <laughs> <laughs> More dissonant, right? And this is John Lennon. He's the sea salt and the taffy, okay? It goes like last three notes. Na 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 True. And that's kind of how I feel dissonant. till happy hour. <laughs> well, uh, Bird was a great movie. My uncle was Red Rodney, so he was the white albino in the band, if you ever watched the movie. I actually asked him a lot of questions about Charlie Parker growing up. It was pretty interesting. Um, being around that. But let's talk about it for a moment. So when did you get into uh, EDM? I'd love to sort of hear about how you... It's a I'm natural extension of coming out of Motown, okay? Civil rights, I was in the busing program. 95% black and Spanish speaking and one Japanese girl who was amazing at math. Cindy Yamazaki. <laughs> Every class had a Cindy Yamazaki. I should have fucking married Cindy Yamazaki. <laughs> Manage my money a little better. <laughs> really. Um... So all of the dancing was youth club. We danced to Motown. It built up from there. And then that became uh, 70s, okay, Black Caesar, Superfly. Four on the floor. Okay, and then that turned into dance, uh, uh, you know, Saturday Night Fever, okay. And before anybody makes fun of falsettos, I'm going to point at Neil Young when he was young. <laughs> A little cowgirl in the sand. <laughs> That's the older Neil, you know. Actually, Neil Young only has one face. He's like a sea anemone, a sea urchin. They look exactly the same when they're born, all the way to the end when they pass away. And Neil Young has always looked like Neil Young. That's true. That is true. Springsteen's always looked like Springsteen. There's no age. Woody Allen's always looked like Woody Allen. I change. My shit is mercurial. Somewhere between uh, Kurosawa Epic and Marvel Comics. Uh, Groucho. <laughs> So it came from a, a love of dance music, and uh, it, there wasn't a lot of radio stations, I don't believe, um, in L.A. playing that kind of music growing no, up. No, there more was in New none. York. There wasn't any playing soul either, KJLA's kindness, joy, love, and happiness. <laughs> you had to listen to AM radio and, you know, what was going on there. But I was going to schools that were literally, you know, she's uh, my first girlfriends were Spanish-speaking. I took Debbie Sierra to the prom, all right, and... Uh, Jesus, I started watching Soul Trains so that I could use it the subsequent Friday night. Not like, hey, man, this stuff is really under, you know, like I got to get my shit together for next Friday at the youth club dance. Right. Fellas, when you watch the TV, the fellas are on the right, the ladies are on the left, and you know that when you go to half of the weddings and half of the birthdays and anniversary celebrations, you're going to be, you know, eating barbecue and fried chicken on a paper plate right. and i say it with great respect and then everybody's going to have a few um what were we drinking at the time ham's <laughs> beer okay from the land of sky blue waters i don't remember why that was popular but we would and then there would be dancing and it would be in a floor space half the size of what i'm pointing at over here about half of a basketball key who cares we didn't come here to stand far apart, honey. What's your name? <laughs> we were standing far apart when you was parking your car. <laughs> Is that your car? <laughs> Show me the keys. Mm -hmm. 
Stand right here. <laughs> really? And you dance to Al Green, starting at 100 beats a minute. Yeah. And then you would build your way up to faster and faster, okay? And uh, dancing was a uh, social thing. Sure. And ultimately, you would do a soul train dance line where you would form two, <laughs> two lines, yep. ladies on the, well, looking at the TV, ladies on the left, fellas on the right. Yep. And you take turns coming down the middle. Okay, and it's all about attitude and vibe. And now I'm going to jump ahead. Today, you will see a Soul Train dance line at a Hasidic Orthodox wedding in Brooklyn. <laughs> hey, we dance, man. You see, the, go watch Fiddler on the Roof. That's a rabbi. <laughs> He's reaching up, tickling the feet of Jesus. <laughs> like this. Are you, uh, are you still going to dance clubs every now and then? Do I you, do, you routinely. Do. Really? And I go dancing uh, Where do you go? I Can go you tell off us? into the corner. No, I'm not going to tell you. Um, but there's <laughs> a great one. Yeah, uh, Saturday nights, for example, in the very beginning, there are. Where do hours. they exist? I don't even. I've never even been to one in LA. No. Well, uh, for example, you got to know because the the uh, constituents change. Okay, and if you know the two hours, the starting at eleven till I'll say twelve thirty one o'clock at the standard. Up okay. across the street from the Marmont. Oh, sure. After that, the clientele changes. Okay. okay. The DJs change. The music changes to accommodate. So depending on what kind of mood or groove you're in, like I like uh, Diplo's Nation, for example, because okay. they got a lot of bounce and twang yep. to the sound, okay, when they do that. And that's a very close to Shaka Khan and early Rick James sure. and shit. And uh, remember, Rick James goes all the way back to Van Halen's first gold record party, which was up at the striptease club that is still up near the chateau, across the street from the chateau. The body Mama. shop? The body shop. Body yeah. shop. And uh, Stevie Nicks was there. there and Bonnie Rayett was there. Oh, it was a mighty time. And my <laughs> sister walked over to this crazy looking homeboy. Just, she was hanging out in the corner, tall, skinny kid like this, with, a, with what we called an Egyptian haircut. We'd never seen such a thing. And I remember my haircut had its own area code. <laughs> if I had that same haircut today, I did, my haircut had its own fucking Instagram. <laughs> we should start that. Yeah, Dave just like, come on, Bob right. Marley has one of those haircuts, right? Right, right. no question. <laughs> Think who's got the best haircuts? Yeah, he said Tina Turner showed up with that exploding whatever. Right. I think it get its own fucking Instagram. Tina's different. Yeah. <laughs> Who does have the best haircut today? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And uh, my sister walked up to the good-looking kid with the Egyptian haircut. She said, excuse me, what a, you look uh, musical. Well, I am. She says, what do you do? She says, I play bass. She says, you play bass? What are you doing in town? She says, well, I'm doing sessions, and I play a lot of, play dance music. She said, well, my name's Lisa. That's my brother up there with the haircut. He says, how do you do? My name's Rick, Rick James. Amazing. And did you guys do anything together? Did you play together? Uh, no, but I did recommend to the fellow at the pot dispensary over on Silver Lake, which I recommend, okay, on Fletcher. Okay, Silver Lake Dispensary, that you should have a brand of pot called Rick James. That's a good idea. You know, totally fuck your career up. <laughs> Are you? Uh, you will be so late for work. <laughs> Are you a big uh, you a big weed smoker, Dave? You love weed. Uh, well, look before we talk about weed smoking, okay? Because yeah. there's different levels sure. of this. All right, weed today is where perhaps apothecary was 
in the 1800s. Is this soda pop or is this really for my knee? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really feeling pretty fucking refreshed. You want to dance? Where's the girls? (laughs) What's in this? Coca-Cola. Six more. You want a drink? (laughs) Right? That shit. Like, whoa, even the labeling. No question. Is this a box of cigars or is this soda pop? Because I love that soda pop. (laughs) In 1822, you had all fast of go fast. And we didn't call it go fast or amphetamaic reactions or whatever. We said you felt refreshed. <laughs> well, MedMen kind of looks like an Apple store now, right? You go in, they have the iPads, everything's sort of labeled, and it kind of looks, resembles a sort of an Apple store to me. Uh, so MedMen. MedMen, yeah. You're I don't know if you've been in there, but uh, okay. pretty well, interesting. And uh, I'm not sure if you'd ever, would you ever consider doing your own line? They have, you know, Seth Rogen came out with his own line. Cheech and Chong obviously have their own line. What about like the Dave? line of weed would that ever be something well, you consider? I explained to you my crybaby whiny ass film critic approach to pretty much everything in my life these days okay and it's a way of maintaining the high bar perhaps I didn't decide how I'm going to talk about cannabis reviews new food news and cannabis reviews it's the Roth show rothshow.com rothshow.com okay that's your podcast by yeah. the way too and uh, I didn't know. I thought I'm just start talking about pot. I use the old word. If you're going to buy me a motorbike, I want an Indian. Original parts, please. If you <laughs> buy me a guitar, I want a Les Paul Jr. Original parts, please. <laughs> and we're going to call it pot. <laughs> not yeah. cannabis, not medicine. Not weed. We're not gonna, that's <laughs> other variations, okay? Right. And um, what is a current is in terms of recreational for me sure it was recreational early on and i started off with cheech and chong all right um but now here's a little sidebar here when i did some med training um uh paramedic stuff i was out at school tactical school with two game wardens from alaska guy and a gal and um, we had dozens of dinners together because we were, you know, out in barracks and shit yeah. there for two and a half weeks, whatever it was. And they had the same story I did. And I'll tell it in my own way. It was their story. They grew up out on the ice, out in the rivers and everything. I said, man, my best years of my early times in Indiana, chasing or getting chased. Where's that bull? Wow! <laughs> catch a chicken, catch a chicken. <laughs> yeah. I said, I grew up chasing chasing the wolves right. and the birds, yeah. and now I'm older and I protect them. I love it. A lot of people don't know that you're an EMT. No, no, I protect them for whatever value that could be. And the same for the pot world, okay? There's a lot going on that's wrong with it that's, that's really... Uh, a difficult vibe there. So when you say, would I put out a brand? Well, for starters, I smoke pot for n- not for any recreational value whatsoever. You want re- you want to recreate? Don't write this down, honey. I'll remind <laughs> you. <laughs> it is on camera. You can take it home, review it. <laughs> is it Wednesday yet? <laughs> now, you want to do recreation, we're going to need some... Uh, Bourbon whiskey, there's an E in the word. Scotch whiskey doesn't have an E in it. Sure. Okay. So bourbon whiskey, okay. Don't mix it with anything, okay. Little ice, okay. Like this. I want some loud African-American music. Uh, where's my publicist? Don, do this. Booch, 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 booch. Go ahead. <laughs> and 
you so feel the spirit? And you go, because I knew him. <laughs> and I'll pay you $20 a song. Anyway, <laughs> old school. Right. Indian bike, Les Paul Jr. Keep this in mind. Sure, there's sure. a symmetry sure. to this. Today, it's just for lower back. Okay, so you can you, talk to anybody in my generation with a boomer sense of humor, and it's my lower back, L3, medical. L4, L5, you follow? Yeah. And that's better than anything else that uh, I've ever tried. You dig? I sang and danced myself to pieces, literally. Yeah. You know, like it says in Captain Crunch, it says uh, some settling of contents during shipping. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. On the uh, other hand, you know what else is said on that on that on that box top is like, baby, do you love me? I love you. Allow six to eight weeks for delivery, baby. I uh, I do want to talk about no no. Do you ever have a girlfriend name your dick? uh, No, actually, mine did. I had two different names. Last one was Little Elvis. Amazing, amazing. Not Captain Crunch. <laughs> I do want to talk about your. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about your podcast for a moment, Dave. I uh, bet you do. It's. Uh, I, I do. We're moving away from the, you know, little Elvis and moving right into paint the... on the right hand side. <laughs> um, <laughs> he hit all the walls. <laughs> oh God, we're uh, we're about what ten or twelve episodes into your podcast, uh, DailyRoth.com. And uh, I was listening the other day, actually, pretty interesting. You wanted to go, we were talking about uh, Vegas and Miley Cyrus and, and sort of the whole culture of Vegas and doing a show there. And talk about it a little bit. Do you enjoy doing it? Is that something that you like where it's all going with podcasts? I was actually talking to my parents about this. They have no idea what the podcast world is. Is this something that you're into doing? Because I see that you, you got your own podcast. I've done it. many different styles of broadcast. Started off college radio style. I was there when the very beginning of underground KPPC FM radio switched over to the way that we usually talk in our podcast vibe. I'm going to put the headsets on. Because, Please do, yeah. Hold on, because you get that vibe here. Sure. Okay. And this is, I was there at the transition when you know you went from screaming top 40 boss jock K, uh, kfwb channel 98 which is right up here you want me to do it the way they did please please <laughs> scratchy it sounds like 1010 winds coming in from the <laughs> airport on a hot summer day kfwb channel 98 hopping and popping and popping with best bed for the boss beat at the top of the pop smash gold i'm sitting here with scott Doe. and then we go to the record Wow, I can't then, do that, by the and way. Then, <laughs> and then Big Daddy Tom Donahue came down from San Francisco, and he was a jazz DJ. And jazz is Blue Note album covers with that slow smoke and the high shutter speed, and slower and slower. And he was the one, and we would practice this. He would go like this. He'd go like this. Like Miles Davis said, it's all about the distances. And he would say like this, hey, Big Daddy here. Um, got a brand new record from uh, Quicksilver and uh, Stereo. Way to go. We're going to play the whole side here. And uh, yeah, we'll play the whole side. Quicksilver. I love it. Very reminiscent of Wolfman Jack. <laughs> and you yeah. would try and put his <laughs> In between yeah. your words. Changing the could. records. Like this. It's like if you're in Sayao, you add a syllable to A over thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> really? It's, it's an influence of vernacular. You do okay. have a great voice of radio, I will say, listening to your podcast. It comes from walking up and down the streets <laughs> and imitating a lot of different people that you would not expect. If you ask me, who is your number one vocal or whatever, it's not the fella from Led Zeppelin, I say poetically. It's not the fella in the Rolling Stones. It's not the fella in Queen. Um, uh, it would be Wilson Pickett. And the persuasions? And the persuasion. There you yeah. go. The lead singer yeah. of, you know, got to walk and don't look back. And those versions come from, I guess, you know, hey, yeah. uh, integrated bussing. And that was a kind of me, but I have that. Ah! Plus, I also have a real bitter sense of humor, okay? And I have a real kind of, you know, I'll tell you the truth. Up till happy hour, I pretty much hate everything. <laughs> How much but longer being do we able have to, to admit yeah. that finally is maybe more approachable and available. I understand, and I'm somewhat happy. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> have you seen any of these biopics? Have you seen the Queen one or the Rocket? You know, the Elton John one that just came out. I have not. Um, I was colleagues to a lot of these musicians. Okay, and sure. Van Halen was a '70s band. Make no mistake about it. We learned and earned uh, everything that we know to do as craftsmen and as spiritual advisors to a generational prison break from the 60s and the 70s. Classic songwriting, classic harmonizing, classic recording technique, classic stagecraft, mm. which is everything that you can imagine from British Music Hall, which is kind of where Freddie and Elton came from. Sure to uh, Las Vegas, being able to tell a story, being able to tell a funny story. You dig? By you got a way, lot of those. Yeah, by the <laughs> way, my back was killing me. I went to, I was right up the street here, Dr. Duffy. And uh, if you ever get this, as an artist artist, Dr. Duffy, man, he says to me, Dave, I got good news. He says, your back is cured, but you only have six months to live. I said, shit, I got to go on the road. I can't afford to pay. He gave me six more months. Great doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Best doctor in Hollywood. <laughs> I need his number after you this. You gotta be able <laughs> Also, you have to be comfortable enough to assimilate a variety of styles that you don't just imitate one or two artists. A lot of my colleagues have done that. Mm. You can tell, oh, this guy watched Ozzy. And the guy in Judas Priest. Oh, that guitar player studied Eddie and so-and-so and so-and-so. And it's like designing a car. You shouldn't be able to feel the seams. Well, it's a lot like Mercedes. But then it kind of goes Lambo. No, 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 no. That's That feels like a fucking bicycle. And you're intrigued. <laughs> right. You know, and the inner monkey. Whoo, whoo, whoo. You know, what is this? You know, Dick, as opposed to go, well, they sure ripped off Mercedes this year. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're confronted. You work from resource. Sure. All right. Yeah. Well, like you're going to go invent an entire new car starting from the frame. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sit down, Daryl. <laughs> no, but you can go and, you know, uh, this is classic. Uh, composition, how you would write a, an opera, how you would write a symphony. Mm. You're going to go to, uh, you're going out in the desert, Land Rover, great way to go. Do not drive it off the showroom floor out into bar. So stop. Let's talk about your wheels. <laughs> <laughs> we got, no, really. Yeah. <laughs> we got about 90 things here. Yeah. Okay. We got to beef up the air conditioning. Well, write it down. <laughs> Tint the window. It's endless. Right, and sure. that's how you're going to write popular music. Mm. That's how you do an opera or whatever. Sure. Otherwise, you're very liable to, and here I come circling back, arrive at dissonance. 
easy, chaotic freestyle without a thread that runs through it, that's kind of easy. Yeah. Wild diversity. Well, there's five vintage shops around within walking distance here. Okay, and we can go get some great cowboy boots with uh, glacier goggles and a top hat and <laughs> a Cirque du Soleil. That's kind of easy. Sure, sure. Where is the thread? Mm. Who are you? What is your point of view? What is your uh, perspective? Who are you? Yeah, you know? no question. And uh, in that respect, when we say be an art project, don't just wear one. Well, yeah, it's easy to just go collect a whole variety of things. What's your idea? What is your message? Yeah. Were you a Freddie fan? Were you an Ellen John fan? Oh, f classically, from a songwriting point of view, you bet. Those mm. are memorable songs that still today, they attract uh, all age groups, all right, sure. because they are classic songwriting. Um, I love groove. I love the beat. I love the movement in the room, but that's not really there to sing along with. Yeah, you can sing with your choruses. But it's usually not something that everybody sings the entire verse and sings the entire verse. Sure. You know, but baby, baby, you've lost that love and feeling. Everybody knows every single note of that, and it's in movies. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, in, in Deer Hunter, when they sing their song, you know, and it, there's a, a way of writing those songs that is particular to classic writing. Now, famous story of Harold Arlen and uh, Yip Harburg, who wrote uh, both of them. One wrote the music and one wrote the lyrics and the melody that you sing the lyrics for, for Over the Rainbow. Yip Harburg wrote the lyrics and uh, he had uh, passed away and uh, they were burying him. Arlen's wife was there with Harburg's wife. A reporter came up and said to Arlen's wife, so your husband wrote Somewhere Over the Rainbow. She said, yeah, he did. Harburg's wife leaned in and said, I beg to differ. My husband wrote Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Her husband wrote da 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 So let there be a lesson or two or three in there for what's the value. Most people sing along with the lyrics. Most people quote which song and identify it by the title and uh, the melody that bears those lyrics. That was my contribution to Van Halen. Definitely. Definitely the soundtrack of my youth. I think I actually met you at the Troubadour when I was 14. I snuck in there, and that's the first time I ever met you. These are allegations, Your <laughs> yeah. Honor. We, at this time, there were no video cameras <laughs> that's available. True. That's true. Let's talk about now, though. Um, so you have this new single out. Um, how did it come about, Armin Van Buren, Jump? Was that the he approach jump with is, it? Jump is timeless. Jump goes on beyond the genre. It transcends even a style of music, much like myself. Did he like approach Elvis? It? Were you an Elvis fan, really, musically? No. <laughs> right. Did you really want to go see him live? Of course. Right. How many Sinatra records did I buy before he passed away? He was in Vegas. Somebody said, you want to see Sinatra? That's a $1,000 ticket. <laughs> oh, you bet. You bet. And I went and saw it. I had not bought any Sinatra records. It goes well beyond the music. It becomes an experience. It becomes uh, a show. Sure. And not just a show of spectacle. But there is a perspective, there is an attitude, there is a way of thinking, a Sinatra way, an Elvis way, a Roth way, you know. And uh, uh, something flipped over in my head about what is the real connection, because Sinatra, I didn't really know any of his music, but he turned and he looked, made eye contact with me 
And even at his advanced age, that motherfucker was still competing. He was <laughs> still big dick in me. Watch this. He turned, I'll pretend it's you like this. And he turns and he goes. <laughs> <laughs> that was your encounter with Frank. Kill me, motherfucker. <laughs> yes! I got killed by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, amazing. See this bruise? That's fucking Frank's and not my ego's limping with his ass in his hands. No, it was just a friendly little thing. He was looking and he went, bah! little guy. That was the only little exchange. Little guy shit like that. Just that moment. And it's like, great. When vanity disappears, all is lost. You will always be competing, man. Right. No if you got it. And also, have you ever noticed how old guys all love to flirt? Turns out it's for life. I kept expecting, like, maybe this will change. <laughs> now, pretty girl walks into the room, and my IQ drops lower than the room temperature. Right. I've been in rooms with guys, doesn't matter if you're 21 or you're 81. Pretty girl walks into the room, the commensurate IQ will be lower than the number of people in the room. <laughs> Does that not tie into what's going on in Alabama, mm. Louisiana? You want, to, you want to chant this with me? Tennessee. Okay. Uh, where else? Florida. Florida. Yeah. Okay. We're going to put the lockdown on you. No question. We're going, to, we're going to get you out of the tight clothes. Yeah. We don't want to see your skin. Okay. We don't want to see your muscles. We don't want to see you acting out sexy because that is a form of power. Booty pulls a freight train, man. Now you can shut down a room of guys. All the ancient Spartans and the gladiators knew right there. How many guys does it take to hold down one man if you got to saw his arm off? You'll learn this <laughs> in paramedics. It takes five. It takes one on each arm, one on each leg, and one to hold his head. Or one nurse. I've seen it in action. I've seen it in action. My first job was cleaning up surgical units out of the hospital in San Gabriel, right out of high school for two years. Schneider was my uh, two tours of duty as a MASH nurse from Korea and two and a half tours of duty in Vietnam. Unforgiving, whoa, chain smoking. Learned everything I know about how to set up, clean up, and run the show Yeah. when you have to be absolutely accountable. And I apply that when you buy a ticket. I don't care if it's a $12 ticket or a $1,200 ticket. It has nothing to do with rock and roll. That's true. That's very true. We live in a very sensitive time. Next will be pot smokers. Right. Okay. There's a lot of celebration going on in the cannabis world. And no everybody's question. having a good time. And there's a lot of, of fun and games there. But do not think for a second anything's permanent. That's like the gold rush. Right Boy, now. if you thought yeah. Roe versus Wade was permanent, you fucked up, is he? <laughs> right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, in the pot world, we take some things for granted now. Mm. In terms of, hey, man, we're having some good times with it. Where's the contrast? Dang. I asked for something. I says, you know what? When they had Parents Resource Music Commission, you know, lyrics, hearings in Washington, they brought in the fellows from Twisted Sister. D. Snyder. Right. D. Snyder. Right. Who dressed stage-wise right. to go speak in front of a Senate subcommittee hearing. Okay. So that sets a distant boundary something that is way farther expansive than you might have expected i would not have expected that that person would speak that individual i don't know him but i wouldn't have expected it mm. nor frank zappa right who i knew to be articulate but why would you have those in i don't know so is it in unparalleled that you or i might sit in front of a senate subcommittee 
and discuss why pot should be federalized. That's going to be a little tough for me to do if the only thing I can produce that looks even vaguely adult is tangerine Watusi moonshot. <laughs> Actually, I think that was the girl who sold it to me. And I'm fucking her. <laughs> <laughs> At the Silver Lake Dispensary. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. And, yeah, you know, no, when no you question. talk about uh, all of the restrictions and yeah. whatnot that go into pot, that's the wild, wild west there. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think uh, New York is the next state. I, I hope that uh, I feel like that's going to get legalized in New York fairly soon. Um, but I, I think it, it is the gold rush here. I, I, uh, so it's something you enjoy, obviously, right? What do I enjoy? Smoking Arguing? No, sm- <laughs> Complaining? Sm- smoking weed. <laughs> Eminently sorry. <laughs> uh, Before breakfast, you, I complain you, about everything. <laughs> you enjoy a bit of cannabis, a bit of cannabis, you know, but, but for medical yeah. reasons, as we spoke about. Yeah, right? I do. So, I've had seven surgeries, and that doesn't even include the, the lower weight ones. I only list the ones that are over 20 grand. Hmm. And it's, uh, I can show my x-rays, you know, like Dr. Duffy said, you know, 40 is the new 30, 50 is the new 40, and Dave, for you, 60 is the new 90. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, speaking of which, you're off to the Netherlands pretty soon, right? You're going to perform at the Pink Pop Festival coming up? Yeah, we're doing the, uh, there's a funny story there is because I, what were we, 1980, something in, um, with Van Halen, we were top billed. Pink Pop Festival is one of the most colorful and noisy shows it's everything from Jamaican dubstep to Fleetwood Mac. It's uh, hip hop. It's every kind of collection of. I, I, I'm gonna say it's not just electric. There's a real instrument mixed in every step of the way. Sure. Holland has always been a great crossroads. So every style of every African, you're gonna hear people singing in Wolof. I'm not even sure. I think it's Niger. <laughs> <laughs> It's an eclectic mix. No, of really, music you know, you'll yeah. hear all, you'll hear nine different variations of South American dubstep, hip hop, some such. The fellows who just sold out the forum, I don't know who they are, but they're singing their Ecuadorian hip hop. Why shouldn't it be sure. Paraguayan? Try <laughs> pronouncing that three times with some uh, tequila in you, but. You'll find that at the Pink Pop Festival. It goes all the way from classic to super hyper modern. You can't get any more modern than Armin von Buren. Definitely. And how did that come about, that collaboration? Uh, Well, you have opportunities to be in three different books, okay? Who's who? uh, Who's that? In the book I'm in, oh, no, not him again. See, I never left. <laughs> right. Never left. Never left. <laughs> I never left the mountains. I no married a Sherpa girl, and I live here. <laughs> I'll translate for you. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. Right. Yeah, I discovered surfing and actually moved here. Your mom is Hawaiian. <laughs> uh, what was the question? I was saying, how did you guys come to collaborate on, on Jump? Okay, I never went away. Jump has always been there because it is the world's most popular, arguably, sports song ever. You're not getting through the Olympics without my stentorian tones telling you to jump. You're not getting through another basketball game in your you or your children's lives again without me urging you to jump. You are not going to get through a uh, festive party scene without me telling you to dance. And the answer to how long is this going to go on is the night away. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. We don't jog, we run. <laughs> Craig, who's my partner? <laughs> the devil. <laughs> that shit never goes away. Never. I'm the patron never. saint of larceny. Midnight, <laughs> when they were all guilty, sire. <laughs> Even me? Mostly you. <laughs> I love so it. it never went away. Jump has always been there, and the sentiment of it is ambition. Mm. Ascendancy. Go climb the treasure mountain. Don't come back empty-handed. Look down. Where are you now? Where are you now? Okay. And jump is... Now make that next move. How many times... I might as well. Might as well. How many times have I put the barrier on? You know what? Might as well. Might as well. Yes. (laughs) We might as well. How come that's never been climbed? (laughs) Nobody has ever tried it, so he... <laughs> you in? I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Might as well. What the fuck? <laughs> the rest, so, um, <laughs> so tw- 2019, you're going to perform Jump, which is awesome. You have uh, the product line, Ink the Original. Inktheoriginal.com. And that's for people with tattoos. That's the ultra high art. Now, after everything from Camp 4 to Studio 54, you ever see the Winnebago in Breaking Bad? I, did. I owned a I owned a Winnebago exactly like that. That was for nothing but rock climbing. Amazing. We parked it in my uh, thing in Pasadena, and we would drive all the way up to Yosemite, out to Tockets, Joshua Tree. It was for nothing but going climbing it for years. And at the same time, I was spiffing up and going down to Studio Fifty Four, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, you bet. <laughs> And uh, I got pictures of some amazing birthday parties. Of I got some good stories. Amazing. 54. <laughs> so you have a bunch of other products coming out too, right? Because you have the sun, the sunscreen. Oh, this is all. It's everything that you're going to need for your tattoos. Okay, and I'm going to share this directly with you. This isn't. It isn't a question of. I'm not an expert. It is a question. I sat down with the staff and I said, "You're going to pay us for what's not in that bottle." All right, I'm going to play word games with you. Let's get serious for a second, because there's a medical component to what we do with the tattoo world here. Inktheoriginal.com has a medical component to it, okay? So just don't play games with natural, unnatural, organic, Hasidic, uh, free range. I don't think organic uh, and Hasidic have ever been used before. I think Hasidics are free range, <laughs> spiritually. Um. Right away, you're playing games. You sure. know, with is tobacco organic? Yes. Shea butter and all that stuff. No, no, no. Tobacco is organic. Yeah. So I can isolate nicotinic acid out of it, and I can spray it all over those strawberries, and I'm within realm. So don't play any fucking games with me, I say into the air, the ethereal, working for the man every night. I'm talking to the man, wherever he is. Okay, don't play fucking word games with me, all right? I know enough to know what I don't want to do again, and I don't want to fuck around with you and all your word games about, well, this is this, and then this is organic and whatever. I looked, We counted the other day. There are 43 ingredients in a Pop-Tart. Somebody's wow. playing games. You know what we used to do on the, on the uh, road tour buses in Van Halen? We'd go, do a shot, and you would try to memorize all the ingredients in a Pop-Tart. Amazing. No shit. No shit. I don't you think do I a shot and go, okay, sodium benzoate, uh, green dye number six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, sodium ascorbate number three. You sure? Yeah, it's number four. Fuck! <laughs> you got 23 hours to kill on the road during the day, so that, that's some good... Yeah. So, I said, I want to make a list of everything that's not in my bottle. 
So what is it? And in I want to make sure my list is longer than anybody else's. So it's all the normal. You don't want the waxes. You don't want the gels. You don't want the petroleum products, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not even going to pretend to describe to you because, yes, I can describe to you in any numbers of senses everything right down to what is umami. Right. Okay, it's the carboxylated anion of uh, glutamic acid. You want to fucking test me? Take it dead serious. I do. Okay? I come from a medical background. All right? Uh, people say, wow, the pot smells a little funny. And I don't want to undignify, so I would do an interview like this. I go, yeah, I think it might be fertilizer. Actually, that's paclobutasol. You want to really fuck around? I'll tell you what index number that is. Incredible. All right? It comes from an obsessive compulsive kind of thing without any attention deficit disorder and this is where I can apply it to I can make a little bit of a contribution so you spent a lot of time curating the formula and what what is that three and a half years and millions of dollars because I'm constantly complaining I don't want the color I don't want the smell the smell of victory is nothing I don't want to get in the in the way of you follow how many times you got Wow, this smells like a stripper especial. Don't ask me how. <laughs> somebody, so somebody who knows somebody told me. <laughs> right. This smells like five Christmas trees. You know, the dangle from <laughs> the uh, taxi driver's thing like this. And on and on. Um, uh, something as simple as I had a French girlfriend, Cathy. Kati from Paris. This was the gal who was 20 summers older than me. Remember when I was Tarzan? You know, <laughs> I do, I do. Actually. Late 70s yeah. and stuff. And Kati would come and she, her father was billionaire. And she would meet me like at the Club Med and NASA stuff. I'd take a regular airplane. And she would come in in a helicopter. Get out of that fucking helicopter, right? Wearing nothing but one of my long sleeve white shirts. This is me, has been me for decades. The exercise, uh, she's achingly skinny, like the the x-ray, you know, like cheekbones that you could slice paper on, like this. Right. Permanent cigarette, like this, with the little headsets in her sony. Suddenly like she was talking about a body part. David, my sony. <laughs> I was just thinking about that, too. <laughs> and wearing little white bikini bottoms and white moccasins with no shoes. Sometimes she had a headband, okay, like this. And she was amazingly gorgeous. She would come out and pose and pretend not to notice me. I'd be seven feet away. Like this and pose and let the helicopter blow her shit open. Like this. <laughs> like this. And then notice me. <laughs> I always land a $2 million helicopter with a cigarette in my hand and nothing on. And notice Dave. Oh, what a... Darling, like this is shit. It was great. Okay, Amazing. Like really. And um, she taught me how to shave her legs. Okay. It was a sexy thing. Okay. Sure. Like this. And uh, the first three times, you know, there was drinking involved. <laughs> there always is. There's no razor in there. She's a great gal. I learned a lot from Picati. Okay. She used to wear um, men's cologne. This was a thing for French women in the late 70s, like brute or English leather, just a little bit. The guys is butch, like women getting a crew cut today. And she would complain because she put it on her legs. You complain. This is too much alcohol. That stuff, you know, you put it on your face. You're like, Whoa, fucking burns. 
You dig? You see that in Home Alone. Doesn't the kid put it on? You know, a little kid goes, <laughs> wow, and he burns like that. Kathy would do that, too. True. Jump ahead today, I made damn sure it's not too much alcohol in this stuff. <laughs> Could be so, romance. So yeah, you currently have like about five. <laughs> not really. This comes from a lot of resources, okay? And most of what I do, in fact, all I did, I did for women. Okay. Mm. You think I dress this way for you? I don't think so. I hope so, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. With guys, you pump your fist and go, all right now. That sounds yeah. like Ozzy. You know, it's right. inadvertent. All right, mate. Sharon, you know, you point like this. All right. You dig? I hardly ever do that. My shit's all like this. Go friendly. Go friendly. <laughs> like that. And uh, that goes into everything we do here. Our packaging is perfect for guys. You take a look at uh, inktheoriginal.com, that bottle shit. I was at bull riding, all right? And uh, the main guy who does the announcing borrowed my, my blue foil jacket and everybody there. Fuck. Look, you hear how the Indiana comes back? <laughs> this is Newcastle, Bloomington, is two hours north of the Kentucky border. Okay, shit. And it's like, whoa. You walk in the middle. They're not playing banjo music at bull riding. That's all hip hop and rock and roll. And every person knew us there. We went to EDC, same thing. Everywhere I go, because it transcends the music. No question. Okay? And what we do with tattoos is the same thing. It's the only art form, really, that transcends all neighborhoods equally. Because all neighborhoods hate each other. Country makes fun of hip-hop. Hip-hop makes fun of of the uh, gospel. Gospel says that rock and roll is the devil's music. Religion gets involved. The Buddhists hate the Baptists. The Christians hurt the news. And then someone told the Presbyterians, and now they all hate the Jews. So <laughs> we heard that shit when we were kids. It's just a natural way of things, okay? We work to solve it, okay? And... Tattoos transcend all of that. Doesn't matter if you're driving a lowrider or a tractor. It doesn't matter if you're flying a Learjet or you're a stewardess. Okay? It tattooing speaks the equal language. When I look over, I see that there's a scribe's feather on it. She says she's an author, a writer. Maybe there is a uh, a, a compass, you know, a drawing a graphic compass or something. Clearly somebody is a designer, somebody is an architect. Somebody's got cupcakes with little faces on it. Don't tell me. You're a baker. That's a refined art form these days. Okay? That's a very special one. You got some little, little loaf of bread with a face, and you go, that's your specialty, right? You are a bread maker. And don't make ever fun of that, because there's only about 9,000 varieties of that. And it only costs about $90 a loaf at whole paycheck. So, <laughs> So, hey, I've seen designer chicken wings now. <laughs> hey, honey maple uh, mango puree with uh, cayenne pepper. I'm just making this up, but this sounds pretty good. So everything from the packaging to everything you were involved in, everything. Art-centric, from the inside out. Great. 100%. And again, I surrounded myself with the most wildly inspirational spirits to start to... Here's how the design is. Here's the kinds of colors I'm looking for. But everything, we call it work in the corners. That's a go term, you know, the game of go. Joseki means corner work, and it's what all you'll spend your first three years learning, how to work the corners. Okay, you can begin your game, but now you're going to refine your shit. All right, that's a little mere high school there, but you got to work the corners, work the corners. It's like in carpentry. 
work the corners, get those sharp edge corners, nice straight tight lines you follow. Also, if you're moving tactically through a very dark room and you have to move quickly, or if you're working para and you gotta step through, if it's a tenement or something in the projects, you work those corners, stay as close to that wall as you possibly can and turn keeping that elbow in contact the full kind of time, especially if motherfuckers trying to drop a soda pop can full of water on your head. That right. happened to me in Red Hook. <laughs> First thing you do is step in and turn your hat backwards because the kids fill the soda pop cans and drop them down the uh, center of the stairways from five floors up on your heads. They think we're 5 You show <laughs> right. up in a, uh, in a uniform. You work the corners. It applies to so many different things. No question. I see somebody show up with music or a design on a piece of paper. I go, great, now let's work the corners. So even the sides of the packaging, they're meant for like rock climbing and they have grips on them? Do they not? So It's tactical and practical packaging because, for example, now is when rainy season would start up in the 47th precinct. In the Edenwald projects, which is about 13 floors, those basements flood. And we, everybody would wait at what we call base camp, which was the, uh, the stop and go or the 7-Eleven, whatever, because you knew the generators were going to flood and start winking out. All right. And I got tons of tons of friends. I call them just there's the slip friends, clients, <laughs> patients who are going to be uh, on life support, you know, various, you know, breathing and so forth. And um, as the generators wink out. Because of the basement's flooding, you've got to be ready to stop eating dinner. So you pull your rubber gloves on first, get your duty gloves there and like that. You may sit there for hours and uh, waiting on your calls and everything. But, you know, the day that uh, you meet your future mother-in-law is not the day that you're wearing your best shoes. So that's ancient <laughs> Jewish Comanche. But <laughs> it means you better keep your gloves on the whole time, pale face, because as soon as you pull them off, ah, there goes your computer. <laughs> You're not getting them back on. Okay? So you got to be able to have grip, whether it's wet, whether it's snow, if you're snowboarding or skiing or anything like that, you don't want to drop it if you're out on the beach, you don't want to, you got oily hands or anything like that, you're out surfing, you're gonna, you don't want to be able to drop it. Okay, take a look at Al Honnold doing the solo up there, okay? Last thing he wants to do is have to reapply or drop something from that far. No question. I'll show you a little trick here. Okay, here's a bottle top. Ready? Yep. That's no big deal, right? Okay. Let's do that from 1,000 feet. You just heard something. Well, we're not opening any tuna cans tonight. <laughs> we're going hungry. <laughs> okay. The whole idea is that kind of immediacy, that kind of urgency. So when you put that stuff on, you don't have to keep putting it on. Right. Great. Okay. Dries tight, dries fast, okay? All guys who lived in uh, the barracks, if you joined anything with uniform, you know, military, whatever, if you were in a frat house, you know that drying your hands is very different than women. Women have nails, women have uh, moisturizers and stuff. All guys have done two things. You can stop lying, I'll say it for you. A... We've used the drapes. <laughs> <laughs> or your pants. And if you're outdoors and nobody's looking, we dry our hands on the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all done Which that. Which my dog Russell always loved and <laughs> mistranslated as a demonstration purely of love, so it's win, win, win. <laughs> dry hands, love, love. And 
How often do you get those at Santa Anita? Fuck never. So, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That kind of a thinking yeah. goes into it. It's got to happen now. It's got to happen quick. It's got to dry tight. Got to dry fast. Can't be sticky. Can't fuck up my white shirt. And she's got T-shirts that cost 600 bucks. Is my inner child good specifying you and your bottle of shit? Everybody tries to sell me a bottle of shit. What's in yours? It's not miracle ingredients. You're paying for what's not in here. I've been burned. I've been stunned. <laughs> I've been ripped off. Uh, 55 sunburns, three broken hearts. Yeah, they're related. <laughs> <laughs> Sun poisoning, salt water poisoning, alcohol poisoning, every possible skin condition you can possibly imagine. That was a hell of a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and you partnered with Ami James, right? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you and Ami James partnered up for this brand, right? Um, you know, uh, we use a variety of folks in Ami brought in a great view of what's happening. Uh, we're called the Vogue magazine of tattooing because of his eye for photography. Uh, usually when you talk about tattooing, what you get visually is a bunch of hoochie mamas, mm. you know, inappropriately walking around in bikinis in places you would never see people walking around in bikinis. I mean, in my imagination, they're walking around like that. You, know. right. you dig, <laughs> but beyond that, no. <clears throat> Tattooing's moved uptown. Tattooing has become uh, high fashion. Mm. And when you go to a fashion shoot, it's not just the models that have it. It's the photographer. It's the makeup people. Right, sure. It's the hair people. It's the people who own the magazine. The people who are doing the art, art design layouts for that magazine. Virtually everybody in the room Universal. is going to have that as a communication tool. Yeah. That aside, the only vernacular that we have that is truly international is swearing. That's true. Really. You have a world where most of us are working with, I don't know, 40, 60 words of vocabulary. You can go beyond that. You use a big word like inestimable and people will make fun of you. You follow? Really? So you keep it simple, all right? And, uh, you know, start using profanity and tone, then that transcends. You know, who even knows where Urdu is from? I happen to know, but most people don't. Is that the place or the language? <laughs> I don't you know. You want to really, you want to play games? What color <laughs> is an orange? It's orange, right? Who's buried in Grant's tomb? Grant. What language is Spanish? Wrong. It's Latin. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Well, uh, DavidLeeRock.com, also David's Instagram. What at language David is Dave speaking? <laughs> David, this has been wildly entertaining. Uh, definitely check out DavidLeeRock.com, at DavidLeeRock. Check out Ink the Original, Thank Tattoo you. Line, which, uh, and definitely I'm excited to check out uh, all the video stuff on Pink Pop coming up and Jump the Single. And uh, new music coming up this year, you think? Will, will there be new Van Halen music coming up? All of the music that you listen to in my podcast, I write... I create and I record up here at Henson Studios. Oh, amazing. All instrumental, okay? And we're using vocals and, hey, man, auto-tune, you bet. These front six teeth aren't real either. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great beatbox, I heard, on your podcast. Yeah. yeah it's um, it's uh, with Van Halen. Things I'll be seeing the brothers in about a week. Amazing, so, amazing. So hopefully they'll well, be... Well, Van again. Halen is a constancy. Van Halen is part of the fabric. Now, again, it's gone past simple music. It's a narrative. Right, no question. It's sort of like, 
it's the sound of summer. Mm. Summertime's here, baby. Need something to keep you cool. People have marched off to war to our music. They have come back victorious. Some people have come back dead, and we buried them to my music. People have gotten married and danced gloriously to celebrate that wedding. And people have gotten their second divorce and danced even more fucking gloriously, <laughs> darling. <laughs> definitely the soundtrack to my youth, for sure. <laughs> All right, so hopefully, fingers crossed, there'll be some new uh, Van Halen music and a tour coming up. And, and obviously, want to check out Pink Pop at DailyRot.com. Check out the podcast and Inc., the original. And uh, it was a pleasure, David. I really appreciate you it's coming David, by. It's David Lee Roth. Everything. It's everything, all dot com. Everything. All roads lead to Rome. You know, <laughs> I just, I just want to get drunk. I can help you with that. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've never been so speechless in I my life. I need some so. advice. I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because I've never been, I was saying I've never been so speechless in my life. It was great. It was wildly entertaining and, and awesome. And uh, you definitely were the soundtrack of my youth. So thank you for all that. I Scott, appreciate it. God bless. You're a very, very patient interviewer. This was marvelous. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Well, check it out, guys, and uh, be back soon next week. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. This is a call from an inmate at the Indiana State Prison. My name is Phil Chalmers, and I'm a serial killer profiler. How many murders are you responsible for? 36. 47 and 52. I found Sister's killer. I want to see him face to face. Listen to Where the Bodies Are Buried, a true crime podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dennis Quaid here, and I want to tell you about the Orange Tree. Now, I have recently started a podcast network called Audio Up, and much as I prepare for movie roles, I've been researching the podcast landscape and listening to hundreds of podcasts. One in particular stopped me in my tracks. The Orange Tree. It's a true crime podcast series told with such authenticity and care by Haley Butler and Tinu Thomas two journalists who were University of Texas students when they started reporting on the story. It's about the 2005 murder of a young woman named Jennifer Cave near the University of Texas at Austin campus. What struck me most was the thorough examination of the case and the exclusive access granted to these two young reporters. What makes this true crime story so unique is their perspective. There are two young women who are the same age as Jennifer Cave and at very similar points in their lives. The Orange Tree is engaging, it's thoughtful, and really, really powerful. Take a listen to The Orange Tree on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts today. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.